Welcome to the Tippis Podcast. During the latest ice age, abrupt climate warmings called Dansko-Ösko events took place. They look like what we might today expect if we hit a climate tipping point. And it now turns out that these warmings seemingly only took place if there were a certain amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. That is, with too much or too little CO2, abrupt warmings just did not happen. This finding was published recently in a study by Guido Vettoretti et al. in Nature Geoscience. And the big questions, of course, are why was it like that? How did the amounts of CO2 in the atmosphere control whether abrupt changes could take place or not? And do we risk hitting similar climate tipping points today because we enter a window of possible abrupt transitions in the climate system? With me, I have Guido Vizzaretti, the lead author of this study. And before I hear your answers, Guido, I would like you to explain a little more about this result. It's based on a computer model. It's a study of, of computer modeling. Yes. Um, so what we do is we model the climate system with these complex Earth system models, they're called, which contain everything from, you know, trees and clouds and the sunlight coming through the atmosphere and how the ocean circulations move. So basically, these models are very complex and we use them to understand the future, but we can also use them to understand the past by changing what the planet looks like. So if there was an ice sheet over Canada or Europe, you know, over Scandinavia, We have an idea. Yeah, there's a there's a small vehicle here right next to us, uh, uh, trying to park or something. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're sitting outside because the weather's quite nice now, <laughs> much better than it used to be during the ice ages. So, uh, uh, but uh, we're going to continue anyway with this. So you just feed these data from the ice ages to them, and you also simplify them, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say simplified. I would say just what the what 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 the planet surface looks like basically so the oceans were were shallower by about 120 meters because of a lot of the water was locked into ice sheets on the greenland ice sheet and in antarctica and so basically you have these huge mountains of ice over canada which reached into the united states and also over europe over scandinavia like in sweden and norway so you have to change what the surface looks like So you take these really complex models that are used to project into the future and you take what we know about what the planet looked like in the past from geological measurements but and other other ways and other methods we have. And you're looking for something like called the DO events, right? Because yeah. these are abrupt warmings during these ice ages. Could you explain to us what those were? Basically, Dansgaard-Oschger events are rapid fluctuations in temperature recorded in in ice cores that we retrieve from Greenland and Antarctica. And what they tell us is that we see these huge, up to 15 degree or 16 degree temperature jumps over Greenland that happen within the resolution of the dating of these these ice cores. So it's within ten, less than a decade. And it's not even Fahrenheit. This is Kelvin. No, I mean, this, this is, is like Celsius. Celsius. Yeah, this is Celsius, so it's quite large. Um, 16 degrees is a huge, huge change in temperature. And how fast does this happen? Like within a year or within 10 years or 100 years? Well, we can't really see in, in the actual records because it suggests that it happens in less than one or two decades, I think. 
But if you look at the computer models in which we simulate these things, these changes can happen within, the initial changes can happen within a year where there's a large amount of, of heat released from into, into these locations uh, near, so, near so the So that's what looks a bit like if what we would expect if we hit a tipping point, like some Easily. switches being uh, you know, applied and then the, it, the climate system kind of jumps into a different gear, you might say, yeah. because if it's in Greenland and in Antarctica, it's probably global. Yes, exactly. If you see both signals in Greenland and Antarctica, it's a global signal. So you know the whole Earth is undergoing a rapid climate shift. And that's exactly what a, an abrupt climate change or, or a tipping point is. One of these rapid global scale changes in temperature affecting the whole planet. And we see these things happening in the model in a year, which continues over the, a decade or two, like we see in the ice cores, basically. So that's that's what why you prepared these uh, large complex models to something that could simulate what was going on during the ice age, the latest ice age, because you wanted to study this. Exactly. So the idea is to to try and replicate these things in our complex computer models. It's equivalent to having a time machine to look back into the past to try and understand why the climate has these abrupt tipping points and. You know, does this give us any information about what might happen in the future? The more we understand about the past, the more confidence we can have about predicting future climate change, basically. Mm. And mm. you find a what you find is that that this only seems to happen at when there's certain amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. Would you explain about that? Yeah, we have records of of carbon dioxide concentration in these ice cores. So we when we retrieve these ice cores from Greenland or Antarctica. You can measure the actual level of carbon dioxide trapped in the bubbles in the ice cores in Greenland up to about 120,000 years and over Antarctica we have records going back to 800,000 years now. And so we know that the CO2 passed between about 60 and 20,000 years ago. The CO2 was gradually trending downwards between about 230 and 190 parts per million by volume. And oops, and there starts the uh, small vehicle again. <laughs> well, and while he's leaving, well, let's just talk about, I mean, today we have like 410, I think. We are above 410 parts per million, I think. Yeah. And at the start of the industrial uh, times, it's uh, it was like 280 parts per million. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about something much lower than modern days. and. Uh, 230 you said and 190 yes so the levels during the ice age were were much lower and a lot of the carbon that was originally in the atmosphere like in these warm periods called interglacials are are stored in the deep ocean basically thought to be in in the deep southern ocean or the deep pacific the land surface was was a lot less active because of the colder temperatures less trees less uh, less animals everything was more dead planet yes so uh there's a lot less carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and a lot of this carbon trapped in the oceans. And so the levels fluctuated during the ice age between when you're kind of in the middle of an ice age between about 190 and 230, 240 parts per million by volume. And then as you come out of one of these ice ages, the the CO2 levels rise to about 260 or 270. So last 10,000 years, we had levels about 270 or 280 parts per million by volume. And now, as we've gone into the Industrial Revolution, those numbers have risen to about 400, 415 now in present day. Mm. Uh, but when you run your, com- your computer models, 
here. And when you look at the data, what you find is that there's this window. I mean, the, f in order for these rapid climate transition, these rapid warmings to happen, it had to be a certain level of CO2 in the atmosphere. Yes, that's the interesting thing. So what we observed in the model was that at really low concentration, like less than 190? Well, yeah, less than 190, say 185 parts per million. The, uh, these oscillations were absent in the Ice Age simulations. So as we raised the, the CO2 in these simulations through 190 parts per million by volume, these oscillations spontaneously appear. So you have a period where you have one of these abrupt warmings and the temperature jumps 16 degrees Celsius over Greenland, for example. And then over the next thousand years, or one and a half thousand years, the planet starts to gradually cool, basically. But it only happens when you dip it below like 225 parts per million or above 190. Exactly. So in the window, they appear somewhat regular. And the window, that's between 190 and 225. That's correct. And after you increase the CO2 more, the computer model tells us that these oscillations stop above a certain threshold. Mm -hmm. And what you see in the, uh, in the ice core records, you see that these, these periods become very, very long, several thousands of years, when the CO2 level is high, around 230 earlier in the ice age, like around 60,000 years ago. There's long periods where the CO2 is above 230, around 240, where the oscillations seem to be only intermittently uh, dispersed. So you might have like a, a quick transition, but the period remains warm for very long periods of time and it agrees with the model. So we've basically tried to come up with a theory on why that happens. Yeah, Wh why, what's going on? What, what happened then? <laughs> so what we do is we, we take the results from this compu complex computer model and there's a whole rich theory of, of mathematics that, that describes um, these type of phenomena, these abrupt climate changes or these tipping points. And uh, one of the first studies that looked into this was in the 1960s. An oceanographer named Henry Stommel came up with a, a simple model of how the ocean circulation can turn on and off. So basically, the Atlantic Ocean brings heat up from lower latitudes into the high latitudes. And what he found is that he could have two states where this, the ocean could be in an active state where it brings a lot of heat from the low latitudes to the high latitudes or it can be in a shutoff state where the ocean circulation is almost shut down or reversed. So for a long time, people have seen these records in these ice cores and thought that it was connected with the overturning circulation in the Atlantic. And now it's, it's fairly, with, with also data that we've retrieved from marine cores in, in the ocean in the Atlantic which indicate how strong the ocean circulation was at various times in the past 60,000 years. We, we're now very confident that the ocean circulation is associated with these, these, these changes that we see in Greenland and also the amount of sea ice. When you have a slow circulation in the ocean it allows more sea ice to grow in the high latitudes too so that's a huge controlling factor on on, on the temperatures at these high latitudes too, and, and what you see in these ice cores, basically. So can you see this mechanism going on in your model? I mean, can, can you explain the DO events, the dense core ice core events from that? Exactly, so that's the amazing thing, that these when you change these boundary conditions in these models to look like 
the, the Earth system, how the Earth looked 50,000 years ago, when there's huge, huge ice sheets on the planet and you let the models run, you suddenly see these, all these behaviors happening mm -hmm. in the model, yeah. which are consistent with all these data that we have from the marine cores and the ice cores, basically. Mm -hmm. But can you see why this CO, CO2 window is in play? I think the model gives us a really good indication of what, what's, what's what the physical mechanisms are tied to... So what is it? What, what, what happens? What, could you give an example to what might happen? Okay, so for example, say you raise the CO2 levels beyond a certain amount. A really fundamental part of these oscillations or these DO warming events, these extreme events, is a rapid change in the amount of sea ice that's around Greenland and in the Nordic seas and Labrador seas at high latitudes. So during a cold period, the sea ice is very advanced south where it's past the Bay of Biscay in, in Spain. So it's a huge sea ice lid that covers the North Atlantic and this, the ocean circulation is turned down so that heat is not being brought up anymore to high latitudes. So as you raise the CO2 levels, you heat the, the lower latitudes a bit more. When you increase the, the carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere, you generally make the oceans warmer. So one of the big components of, of these abrupt transitions when they're spontaneously happening is that you're moving warm waters from low latitudes underneath the sea ice. And eventually this warm water builds and it reaches a critical tipping point where... It breaks through. It breaks through, basically. Because so it's open sea instead yeah. of, uh, you might say, land masses of ice. Exactly. So this, this naturally occurs. You have the sea ice disappearing and then it releases this heat around Greenland where you see this in the ice cores and then it cools again gradually over the next thousand years and the sea ice reforms and then it, it closes runs, down closes again. down very abruptly yeah. and so and then the heat starts to travel north again from low latitudes in the ocean circulation uh, and the cycle repeats itself so that could explain these DO events these dense coils events yeah basically that's one of the ideas is why these these oscillations spontaneously mm. happen. And when you get above these 225, then there's too much open water simply for this to happen? Yes, it's, it's basically that's, that's sort of what's happening. Um, generally, the atmosphere is warmer because you have these higher CO2 concentrations, so the sea ice can't grow so, as far south as it wants to. It seems there's like a critical interplay where you need enough sea ice to be far enough south for these oscillations to appear spontaneously. Basically, you, you arrest the oscillation at a high CO2 level. And the opposite thing happens at low CO2 levels. So when you go out of this window and you go below 190 parts per million by volume, now the, the temperature of the ocean is cooler, the atmosphere is cooler, the sea ice is allowed to um, expand farther south. So you become kind of trapped in this permanent cool part of the ice age, which is kind of an extreme uh, level. And this kind of happened during what we call last glacial maximum between about 27 and 21,000 years ago. Then the question is, would, could this happen today? Obviously, we're not going to have this amount of sea ice, so is this exact phenomenon that you seem to have identified does not... We shouldn't expect that. But, I mean, does this window of CO2 that creates certain situations where a broad transition might happen, does that have a message, do you think, for us today? We're not sure if there's such a, a tipping point in the future. Currently, our, our climate models that we use to project warming temperatures into the future do not show these um, any of these type of abrupt climate changes in the next hundred years, or a couple of hundred years even. But they show the ocean circulation slowing down. Now, is it a matter that the models are, are too 
rigid in some sense or that something is happening that we haven't seen or I think maybe they're not maybe they're they don't capture the real system that is a possibility and if that's the case if they're not really capturing the complexity of the real world then there could exist these these tipping points where once we pass one of these tipping points for example the ocean circulation in the Atlantic can slow down or shut off completely well not shut off completely but it'll go down to a reduced level and therefore you have a period where the climate just completely changes and humans doesn't matter how technologically advanced I think we are in the next hundred years we couldn't restart that circulation unless we averted it before it happened basically the TIPIS project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme under grant agreement number 820970.